Hey there. Thanks for joining us at Risen King Church for our weekly sermon podcast. We pray you meet God and know that you are loved today. Be sure to visit us at risenking.life to take all of your next steps and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Enjoy the message. The last time I was here, uh, first of all, I agreed to one, and then they asked for two. And the last time I was here, I said, on my final time with you, and now I'm back. So either I'm sorry or you're welcome, (laughs) however that goes. So today I'm planning to wrap up a trilogy, if you will, of... uh, uh, heart and soul stuff. My, uh, my task today, if I may, is to say you all are in transition between your last series and your new one. Your new series is uh, Reset. And I, uh, I thought, in between, let me give you some stuff to get you ready for Reset. So either sit back and relax or strap in depending on where you uh, find yourself this morning. And let's just talk about sort of what comes next. Um, Apparently, I need to just say a word. Um, You've heard about politicians and other people whose mics stay hot and they say appropriate things. Apparently, that happened to me after the first service. And so it was uh, nothing inappropriate. Uh, I, I, I don't do that. However, some of you know Ryan Alexander, and he was with me. So anything that was less than appropriate, it's probably Ryan's issue. I just thought I'd put that out there, since he's moving and could take it with him anyway, uh, sometime. Here we go. The church in America has liked our words. Uh, we do read lots of things. I mean, listen to how many people who go away and they go, I can't. it was the best retreat ever. And I go, what, what were you retreating from? Or what were you retreating to? Why, why do we have to have another retreat? I, I'm fascinated by that. You, if you wouldn't take long for you to come up with probably eight or ten uh, re-words. We like them. And so I want to take reset and frame it for you, if I may. If we're going to do reset, let's just go back to remember. In the Old Testament, God always took the children of Israel back to remember. Remember where I brought you. Remember what I did for you. God felt like he had to remind them because their, their attention span was really remarkably short, uh, especially on the goodness of God. And so he would remind them yet again how significant he had been for them and that he was worthy of their trust. So I'm going to ask you, let's Let's spend some time remembering. There's always two sides of remember. One is, remember what you've been spared from. Remember how far you've come. Remember what your life could have become apart from God. But also remember his greatness. What he's done in you, with you, for you. But what he's done around you. The transforming of people and situations The one thing that's hard for us is to actually thank him for things that we're spared from, but we didn't even know it. Remember. And then reclaim. Go back and reclaim what could have been, maybe should have been. I listen to people with regrets continuously. I've listened to people who in their minds have been hurt by organizations, individuals, family members, etc., 
You go, yep, it's real. But if you only stay focused here, you're going to miss large portions of what could be in your future. So let's go back and reclaim some stuff. Some of you remember in the earliest days of following Christ, you made some pretty sweeping statements to him about what you wanted your life to be. How close have you come? During reset, let's go back and reclaim some of that. For more than 30 years, I've been doing uh, international leadership development, um, talented young chaps and women and men, and uh, taking them at a certain level and trying to take them up a couple other notches. And of course, with uh, the generations who've come after some of you, everyone talks about passion. And they have passion for lots of things. I have one of these odd memories uh, that most everything that I've ever heard stays in there, even the inappropriate jokes of my uncle. Um, unfortunately, I can't get rid of those. They're stuck in there with all the other things that are worthwhile. And so I'll see people after 10 or 20 or 30 years, and I'll say to them, hey, I remember the conversation, and you said to me, when I hit a stage of life, I'm going to be this, I'm going to do this, God's going to use me for this, etc. And I go, what happened? And they go, you remember that? I go, look in your faces, you don't remember that. I go, what happened? And they go, life just kind of got in the way. I go, come on. Like, I believed you. I bought in. I, I have prayed regularly for you for like 30 years. And now you just sort of shrug your shoulders and go, life got in the way? No, 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 no. That's not either how life nor faith work. You don't get to do that. It's time to reclaim this. Because you've got, still got, what, 20, 30 good years? Let's do this thing. Come on. And they look at me and go, you know, nobody else talks about, about this. Nobody else talks like this. And I said, then you need different friends. Because this is how you talk in the kingdom of heaven. It's time to reclaim it. And then reframe it. You can't go back. You're a different person now. But reframe the best of who God is, the best of what he can do in you, with you, for you, the best of what your life might actually become. Reframe it. If you've got two years, 10 years, 20 years, for some of you, 70 and 80 years left, oh, come on. Let's do this thing. So in between, absolutely, in between what you finished last week and where you're starting next week, I'm in between. So I want to take you somewhere. I want to take you to Philippians chapter 3. And I want to talk to you about what it's like when you actually not just press on, but what it's like when you press through. Press through, first of all, both Testaments talk about it. Press through with all your heart. We are to be the all-your-heart kind of people. When people are with you, they just sort of, obviously, they should know. You're one of those all-your-heart people, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah. And we'll talk about what that looks like, with all your heart. Just a reminder, coming out of COVID and all the other reasons that people feel it's a need to reset, um, just a reminder, it's always too soon to quit. Come on. With, I've, with what I've been through in the last decade, I've had people 
endless numbers of people say to me, how do you keep from just quitting? I said, well, what would I do? And that's when their issues come up. They go, I, I would be under a pile of blankets with a bottle. And I go, I'd be under there with donuts. <laughs> a bottle's not my issue. I, I have other issues, but that's not one. I'm kind of not a give-up person, but if I was, what, what, would I, what would I give up to become? <clears throat> what, what would that look like? I just want to remind you, always, always too soon to quit. I think we need to clarify the press, because we're going to use press three times during our, this talk this morning. Press has with it a sense of urgency, but with a sense of rest. When you're in God, you've got to figure out which part you're responsible for and which part he's responsible for. Don't confuse them. But when you begin to sort that out, you take full responsibility for yours. Leave the rest with him and go, I am going to urgently take care of the part that I can see. It's right in front of me. And I'm going to rest in his amazing strength and grace, the things we sing of. Now, let's go to Philippians chapter 3. Just listen. But whatever the things were gained to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. Listen to these next four phrases. I want to know Christ. I want to know the power of his resurrection. I want to participate in his sufferings. I want to become like him in his death. Stop. Are these the conversations you have with your friends while you're drinking coffee before you come in? Oh, no. I mean, when's the last time you said, this was such a great week, I got to participate in suffering with Christ? <laughs> They'll uh, probably suggest you see a therapist, <laughs> or more. You see, when you're going to push reset, reset for what? Come on, it's a great phrase. I want to know Christ. I want to know Christ. And so you, you all will do this differently. I, I thought about who's going to be here. And you know, some of you will just sort of do it quietly with your hands out. And some of you will have them outstretched. Some will hold them up. Some will lean back and probably do a little shimmy. <laughs> I want to know Christ. For me... I want to know Christ. I want to know his power. I want to walk with him. See, that's the text. Not, I, I don't, I want less problems. I don't, I don't want to feel bad. These will become the conversations. Honestly, when you press reset, these will become some of the conversations. I want to become like him in his death. And so, somehow, I can retain to the resurrection of the dead. But he keeps going. He's very realistic. He goes, look, I'm not going to talk to you better than I live. He goes, I'm not there yet. <laughs> of course. Not that I've attained it yet. I've not already arrived at the goal. But I press on. This is one of the great phrases of the Newer Testament. I press on. Press on to take hold of that for which Christ has taken hold of me. Again, that divine partnership. 
And then he says, brothers and sisters. Now, I've noticed you're a pretty good audience. You laugh well. So sometimes I think uh, you maybe need more interesting lives. You're very willing to laugh loudly. That's intriguing. But you don't talk back to me as the speaker. So if I was in some places, I'd go, now, brothers and sisters. And you'd talk back to me. I'd do it to you, and you'd go, whatever. <laughs> Just keep going, big boy. Keep, keep going. Get to the thing that says next. So I'll simply say to you kindly, as suburban folk, Brothers and sisters, but pay attention to what comes next. I do not consider myself as taking hold of this yet, but this one thing I do. Stop. We, we live in a world of multitasking. We think it's cool. Uh, we actually wear it around like a crown. I'm a master at multitasking. Um, we, we do. We think it's, we get applauded for it. If you haven't figured this out in America, Work addiction is the only addiction you get applauded for. And oh, they applaud you well. You have high capacity. They used to have all sorts of phrases for you. However, if you're going to be a person of heart and soul, multitasking is tough on the soul. It just is. You can do it if you need to. But recognize both Testaments, the Psalms in here go, this one thing I do. I'm not going to talk to you better than I've lived. On this one, I decided a long time ago, I had high capacity, I could do a lot, I could travel, I could do lots of things. But if I was going to become the kind of person that I wanted to become, the kind of person I thought God could probably bless and use at the highest level for who I am, I had to limit that. And so turned down things that other people wanted. Said no to invitations that people go, can't believe you turned that down. Uh, didn't do things that would have been great professionally and financially, because I'm going, if I'm going to become this man of strength and heart and soul and wisdom someday, I've got to do this one thing. The decision. And the only time I regret it is when I look at um, finances or mostly listen to other people talk about their retirement accounts. I go, I bypassed it for this one thing. This one thing. That's what Paul's talking about. This one thing I do. This one thing. It's front and center for me. So he says, this one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind I strain toward, strain toward what's ahead. I press on towards the goal of the prize to which God has called me upward in Christ Jesus. Let's press on. This is probably one of the best motivational phrases, one of the top five in all of Scripture. I press on. It's a great phrase. It's even a better goal in life. But what are we pressing into? Let's uh, press on. Let's press on to the, under the power of God. Let's press on. This one thing, clarify it for your own life, please. And then let's, let's just talk about hiking for a minute. I've gotten to travel to some really great places, great mountains. I'm, I'm, come on, look at me. I'm not a mountain climber. <laughs> Hiker, yes. And so good hills, 
things that give you a good vista, I always love them. And I did one uh, pre-COVID that was really fun. I was down in the southeast and I thought, I've got a morning to kill. And I was near a place that I knew there were some hiking trails. And so I went on, I looked at my watch and thought, I've got time to get there, but I always have to remember I have to have time to get home as well. <laughs> and so I thought, I'll just go partway and see how it goes. And so I did. And hit a place a little over halfway up, the, it was part of the Appalachian Mountains, it was partway up, and I stopped. There was a big rock to sit on, and I thought, this is an amazing view. Like, it's, it's impressive. Being the kind of person I am, it was actually good for my soul. Good to have deep reflections with God. And just enjoy the beauty. But it didn't take long until I looked up and I thought, right over there, I bet it's even a better view from there. <laughs> and I looked at my watch and I thought, I think I can get there and I have enough energy to get back. I think that can work. So I set out with better vigor than I'd had up to that time. And I hit that place. And oh, was I right. I mean, you, you could just see there was a, a whole line of small mountain ranges of the Appalachian Mountains just lined up. It was majestic. The sun was just right. You went, oh, this is really good. And I remember looking going, the difference is really worth the difference. Folks, the difference the distance you climb, the further you go with God, the more you press on, I promise it'll be worth the difference. So I press on. But it's far more than just a simple motivational speech. I promise. My, when my two younger kids were in high school, we had a conversation one night, and they go, Dad, people ask me all the time, what, do you, what does your dad do? And they go, I never know what to say. And I go, I'm a professor. I've been one forever, and if they'll keep me, I'll be one forever. And they go, yeah, but you do lots of other stuff too. And that's what they're asking about. They know you're a professor, but it's all this other stuff you do. And I go, what do you tell them? And my youngest daughter goes, I tell them you're a motivational speaker. <laughs> I went, no, please don't reduce me to that. I feel like I'm going to be in a van down by the river. And my son says, I tell him, you do really good things for people and they give you stuff. <laughs> I said, that, that makes me sound like I'm somehow collected to, or connected to the mafia. And he goes, that's what they said. <laughs> Is your dad connected to the mafia? So apparently in my kid's view, I'm a mafia-connected motivational speaker. I'm not convinced that's an audience I'm hoping for, but that's apparently what my kids have always thought. Read the passage again and again. I press on. You can do it quietly with fists clenched. You can do it with hands open wide. As I said, you can do it with arms open. You can even do your shimmy if you want. I press on. But if we're going to push reset, we've got to take it another step further. You've got to press in. Press into God. Press into his love. Press into the best of who he is. Let me talk to you as a church for a minute. I'm going to ask you to do this individually and then 
eventually have conversations with Gabe and others about how to do this collectively. I want you to think about the, the worship songs. If some of you are old hymn folks, think about the ones you like. The things about God that just sort of capture you, you love to sing, but does something for you. And then simply say, now live it out. Live it out. It's not just an inspirational moment. This is a life pattern. Those things that sort of capture you ever so subtly, take them deep. Take them deep. Press into God and his love and the best of who he is, but also press into your own heart and soul. You see, we get used to us. And if it's ever brought up by anybody else, and whether it's just in an honest or an awkward way, go, what? Why, why do you still do this? Why are you still like this? Why does this thing flare up? Why do you excuse yourself on this? See, often they don't say it to us. They only say it about us, which isn't helpful. But if ever it comes up, don't defend yourself. Go, why is that thing still there? Why have I gotten this far and it's still there? Press into your own loves. I like that phrase. Press into your loves. See, we, we like the word prioritize. It's a bit of a misnomer. I think we lie to ourselves about how we do priorities. We, we have them in our head, but F, at, when each week unfolds, it doesn't always match. Sometimes. Instead of talking about priorities of life, let me talk about the order of your loves. What do you love most? What gets the most of your time, your energy, your passion, your affection, your loves? You see, that's where your life begins to unfold in ways that you go, the priorities I used to have as theoretical values now live out. I was asked a long time ago, I was in London, and I was asked if I would do a, uh, a talk to the finance community in, um, in, in London's finance district. They wanted me to talk about values. Now, as a speaker, that's a terrible talk. I mean, how, how do you do this? So here's how I started. I said, how many of you have a gym where you go regularly? Every hand went up. I said, at your gym, how many of you have a towel guy? Everybody's hand went up. How many of you know the towel guy's name? Lots of hands went down. How, how, how many of you have ever had lunch, tea, pizza with a towel guy? One, one hand was still up. Okay, how, how many of you have within your organization a statement that says, people matter. All the hands went back up. How many of you have had lunch with the tall guy? Okay. You see, there's a difference between your theoretical values and the loves of your life. 
big difference. See, I've never happened here. That, that was in England, and that was finance people. Yeah, no application to you in any way. Oh, the loves. The loves of your life. Have them in order. It's kind of that simple. And then press into his fullness. We know that. Let's do this. This next series is going to run you through Thanksgiving. Now, let's fast forward for a minute to Thanksgiving dinner. American Thanksgiving dinner is a phenomenon globally. They go. What is this? You like get together for four days, you eat a lot the first day, and then have to rest the next three? Is that how this works? <laughs> now, how many times have you ever been at a Thanksgiving dinner, and the food's really great, and there's too much of it? And there's usually somebody there, typically older, typically male. And they'll go, I am so full, I can't eat another bite, while they're unfastening the top button on their pants. And you hope, please, please stay up. Please. This is awkward for everyone. And right after they say, I'm so full, I can't eat another bite, somebody goes, but there's dessert. <laughs> yeah, okay, a little more. When we talk about the fullness of God, come on. When's the last time you sort of just reclined back and said to God, stop, I, I, don't, I don't think I can handle anymore. It's been a while, hasn't it? Yeah. If we're going to push reset and we're going to talk about his fullness, go after his fullness with all your heart. Remember? I, uh, for the last decade, I've only taught doctoral program. But uh, before that, I taught master's courses forever. And I was teaching an all-day Saturday course. I think I did five Saturdays. It, I, I loved those courses. It, the rooms were packed. Most of the time, couldn't get another person in. And uh, I always said to students, look, you need a break, which is why we give you a break. But at break, as the prof, I need a break. If you anticipate an A, you will not interrupt my breaks. <laughs> Let's just make this clear. I like you, enough's enough. I need a break too. Well, it was afternoon break, it was a Saturday, and there were seven uh, African-American women who were all from a church in Brooklyn. And I mean, you could just tell they were eating this up. They absolutely loved this. And they came up and they said, can, can we talk to you? And I go, it's break. <laughs> I, I don't want to give you a C or a D. And they go, three minutes. And I go, you, you come on. Your, your introduction will take three minutes. Come on. And they go, Doc, when we listen to you, we, we, were, we were just talking at lunch. We, like, do you have to get up two hours early every morning just to put on the armor of God? I go, nope, never take it off. And they went, oh, okay, we didn't expect that answer. I said, okay, understand your answer. I understand your, your question. Your question is, first of all, very religious. Secondly, it's got a fear base to it. You don't think you'll be prepared. And thirdly, it's got superstition built into it. If I just do the right things, then I'll be ready. Oh, no, 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 no. This is how you walk with God. This is what the fullness looks like. This is where you take care of all that stuff that you've just left hanging on. 
So there's an absolute flow from the heart of the Father and his throne straight into yours. Oh, that's good. And they go, where we come from, nobody talks like that. I know. You, you should come to New City. Let's start to take this home. Was, um, just before he turned to this is a picture of one of my um, twin grandsons. I, they used they uh, they lived in South Philly in a row house there, and there were these two glass uh, pane doors um, that led out to a porch, and they could see their dad coming home. And I'd been around when the boys would push their faces against the glass. And one day my daughter caught the picture, and there he was, face scrunched up against the glass, looking for his dad to come home. And she sent me this, and, I, and I've got to be honest, I didn't think about uh, how cute the picture was, I didn't think about anything else. Here's what I thought of. What if? What if we could remember what it's like to be a child with wonder? The whole world, their whole life still in front of them. What if we got rid of the excuses? The limitations that have been posed upon us? What if? Now, you don't know me well. I'm, I'm convinced that I have some latent artistic ability that just hasn't come out yet. <laughs> so most mornings I write poetry. It's dreadful. <laughs> but it forces me to think creatively. I live alone. It's good for me. And as soon as I saw this picture, this poem came in my head. I thought it was mine. I looked it up. It was somebody else's. <laughs> yeah. Shh. Sure, laugh at the aging balding guy. Here's the poem. Across the fields of yesterday, he sometimes comes to me. The little lad just back from play. The lad I used to be. And then he smiles so wistfully once he's crept within. I wonder if he hopes to see the man I might have been. I wonder if he hopes to see the man I might have been. Okay, let's just put it straight. Whether you have two years or five or 10 or 20, or for some of you, 70 or 80. It's the decisions you make day in and day out that inform what that next week and that next month and that next year and that next destiny will look like. I wonder if he hopes to see what I could have been. You are pushing reset. Push it well. But make sure you cover the right stuff as you do. Because we've pressed on, we've pressed in. Now i got to take you home, so let's press through. 
Forgetting what lies behind, the text says. Forgetting what lies behind, I press on. Forgetting what lies behind is a great human thing for you, but not always for the people who love you. Like I've listened to thousands and thousands of people's stories, both genders, various ages, and they say things like, you know, at some point I just had to draw a line and move on, and I went, great for you. What about your young adult kids? Have they been able to move on? You're, you're an addict. You're an alcoholic. You were unfaithful for how many years? Great for you. Can they forget it and move on? Think you need to be responsible and have some conversations with them. It's funny how many of the families I hear from and go, thanks for pushing my parents. I don't like doing it. So forget what lies behind and press on and press through. Press through with all your heart. Press through when it seems like it's too hard. Whether we're talking about pushing reset today or whether it's at the end of a communion service, the word it just works well. It's time to leave it behind. It's time to progress hard and push into this until it comes. You see, I don't, I don't have to do what other speakers do and go, it might be this, it might be this, it might be this. No, 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 no. You know your life. If not, take responsibility for your life. You know what it is. Take care of it. Take care of it. Take care of it. It won't go away on its own. You know that. Press through. Take care of it. Now, let's press all the way through. I don't like doing sports analogies. Sometimes leaves out too, too many of the audience, but you can picture this one. Full court press is really interesting. Full court press is a basketball term. Uh, it's like uh, the end of the game, the end of the season. We are in a season where, unfortunately, the Mets aren't going to make the playoff this year. Sorry, again. Um, the Yankees have a shot, but it's only one shot. What happens in this next game? This is stuff dreams are made of, or disappointments flourish. The last time they went all the way through, the organization made $300 million. That's what's at stake. So when it comes time to the end, you push through. Your job is to say, I will give it all I have and I will keep whoever the, the opponent is as far away from me as possible. It works in basketball, it works in football, it works in soccer or European football. It all works. It works in everything except curling. <laughs> and who cares about curling <laughs> if you're not from Saskatchewan? Press through to that upward calling we have in Christ and clearly address what is and what is not there. What's there? It's the stuff that needs to be let go of. What's not there is the things that you're going, I probably should have taken care of that a long time ago. I just didn't. Let's do it now. 
and finally press through to the next levels of freedom, the next levels of expanding your capacity, the next levels of joy. Here's what I've been praying for you all this week. Between Thanksgiving and Christmas, you will have so pushed reset in such a way that some of you are going to find yourselves so filled with the joy of God. You find yourselves laughing and people go, what are you laughing about? I go, I don't know. <laughs> it's just like the joy of God. Who doesn't want that? It's called joy unspeakable. Who doesn't want that? By the way, I can tell you from my last decade, circumstances don't have to be good for that to happen. And some of you also know circumstances can be pretty good and it still doesn't happen. It's joy unspeakable. And then the full capacity of God's love. Look at this. I always think this is a Canadian clicker. It's slow. Ah, there we go. You see, if we're going to talk about things with all your heart, you've got to be able to access all your heart. And I'm not going to be tough on any of you, but come on. There's a pretty significant percentage of us in this room who've not accessed the full capacity of our heart. For those who love you, for the God of your soul, it's time to expand that capacity of the heart. Just a few years ago, I had a guy call me. He said, Martin, I want a day. And I go, nobody gets a day. He goes, I want a day. I need a friend. I didn't even know we were friends. <laughs> he goes, I need a friend. I'm going, well, phone one. He said, tell me what you need. And he, he said, um, I'll tell you the story. I just need you to come. I, I sensed the urgency. I cleared some time and went to be with him. And he said, I, I grew up in the summers, I went to see my grandfather and my grandparents. I stayed with them. My grandfather was heroic to me. He said, my grandfather uh, was just one of those unique guys. He didn't talk a lot. They lived in the Midwest. He was a farmer. He said, my grandfather always had a pocket knife. And he used that for everything. He goes, I remember one time that we had a, an animal that was a little bit lame and he got in and lifted up the hoof and took his jackknife and cleaned it out. And then immediately we went to the apple tree and pulled down an apple and he took that same knife and peeled an apple and handed it to me. <laughs> you have a good immune system. He said, my grandfather died a number of years ago. He goes, I always used to ask him, can, can I have a jackknife? And he'd go, someday. He died and I never got one. It was last year my grandmother died and the family's dividing everything up. He said, there's this old trunk. He goes, I remember seeing it in the barn. He goes, nobody knows what to do with it. He goes, it's dreadful looking and it smells worse. But it's really heavy and nobody, nobody wants it. And he said, we bet John does. And so his sister called and said, come get it. And he goes, I'm not going to drive to the Midwest and pick this up. I have enough money. Ship it to me. 
because it just arrived. I want to look in it, but I'm scared to look in it. My grandfather was heroic. I don't know what I'm going to find in there. I go, what are you thinking? He goes, I've heard stories about letters and old porn and other stuff. He goes, I have no idea what's in there. come so we got there talked about it a little I prayed with him so let's open this thing up and he was right it looked terrible and it smelled bad his wife goes I don't even want it in my garage it's that bad there's no way you're bringing that in the house so we opened it up nothing there and he was so disappointed I went over and it was heavy to pick up and I go ah I know what's going on here I said to him this thing has a false bottom. And he goes, a what? I go, do you not watch CSI? <laughs> There's always a false bottom. That's where the secrets and the best stuff is. He said, let's, uh, let's figure out how to get this false bottom out. They'd made this thing well. It was hard to find the screws. We did it and opened it up. Right on top, 11 jackknives. He'd hoped for one. He got 11. The other reason it was heavy, it was filled with uh, silver coins and lots and lots of arrowheads. I said, this is worth a fortune. And he goes, it's worth more than that to me. And I said to him, now it's time to go after your soul. Because just below that false bottom, remember? It's where all the treasures are. It's also where all the secrets lie. You gotta bring them out and bring them into the light. Folks, in the next two months, don't just reset from the last year and a half. Come on. Reset your life, your heart, your soul. One of the great things about God is you can't take it too far with Him. He doesn't say to you, slow down. No, no, no. He, he welcomes you. Press on. Press into the deeper stuff. And then press all the way through. Not only will your life be different, this place will be different. is so much more than a story that we get to hear every week when we come in. The gospel is the life that you're invited to live. We get to know him. We get to know him in his death and his resurrection. We get to know him as we partner with him in this day and age. We have this opportunity to reset. As we've been in worship today, we've been calling and prophetically declaring who God is and who he has promised to be. All of the things that our theology declares in worship, we want to live out and be consistent in our word and in our life. So church family, if you are ready to step in and take this opportunity to reset, I wanna invite you to stand. And now I want you to notice that you are not alone. 
And that's the power of the gospel. That's the word of our testimony. The Bible tells us that we overcome by the blood of the lamb, his death and his resurrection and the word of our testimony. When there is breakthrough, it is an opportunity and an obligation to share it and build the faith of the person next to you. So church, come on. That's the good news. When he said that he is God with us, he also gave us one another. Amen. We're in this together. So I want to invite you to put your hands out and receive a blessing as we step into this time of reset with one another. I bless you to receive the strength of the Father. And God, we ask that you strengthen our hands for the work that you are inviting us to join you in. I ask that you speak to the depths of our soul with encouragement that only your voice could know our heart's need in this moment. And God, I pray that you give us the boldness and the authority of your son's name to stand before any obstacle in front of us, to look at it and to say, my God is a way maker. My God is a promise keeper. Though I might only see in part, I know in full that he has promised to be this God to me and he will be this God here too. So we declare it and we stand together and we say, God, have your way with me. Amen.